evidence and answers. Where the gospel is flourishing, you can be sure there will arise false teachings. Jesus and the apostles warned us that false teachers would arise from within the church and lead many astray. Today, there are American cults, but also many cults arising from Asia. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on our broadcast, Pat will be concluding an interview with his guest, J.D. Crowley. Without further delay, let's get right into part three of Christ in Cambodia. Other cult leaders have treated women despicably. There's a famous cult whose founder for a period of time was marrying a new wife every three weeks. Yeah. I don't think that is normal behavior. Mm-hmm. And that is using women for his own purposes. So a true teacher who comes from God loves God and loves others. So what John does is he takes these four points of be holy because God is light, teach truth because God is light, love God because God is love, love one another because God is love, and he weaves them all together. And Pat, you know that First John is very difficult to analyze. You can't tell any kind of outline in it. It's almost seems haphazard and scrambled. But what John is doing is he's making it so that we can never separate those ideas that God is light and God is love, because that's where false teaching comes from, when we pick and choose, like at a buffet, what Mm -hmm. we want God to be like, (laughs) right? Instead of letting God say to us, this is what I'm like, and you must believe this because it brings freedom and joy and happiness. Yes, you know, I think one of the things John tells us, along with Second Peter and Jude, that false teaching and false living go together. Where you find false teaching, there's false living. And as you pointed out, you'll see it in the leaders, but then you'll see it in the followers as well. That's right. They're, as Jude and Peter talk about, they're leading people into immorality and things, and that's what we're seeing. And we have the American cults in Cambodia, you're saying, the Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, and, and how are they making inroads there into Cambodia? Usually by spending a lot of money and creating really a rice cultist, I guess you could say. You've heard of the expression rice Christians, uh, yes. people who <laughs> are lured to become Christians mm-hmm. uh, through uh, gifts. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't seem to have much traction yet in mm. uh, in Cambodia. Mormons have a lot of traction because they came into Cambodia getting permission from the very highest levels of the ministry of religion. Uh, they have their large temples here and there. Mm-hmm. And their teaching is extremely attractive because, uh, one, they have an emphasis on the family, which is ironic uh, considering their past. But two, actually there are works religion and so is Buddhism. Buddhism is a religion of merit and works. And so because of that, the message of uh, Mormons is actually fairly acceptable to the average Buddhist. And so mm. they'll listen to it. And so they're, when they become a Mormon, they're really trading one works religion for another works religion. Wow. Yeah, the resources of the Mormon church are tremendous. They, they'd easily be a Fortune 500 company. And, you know, I see them in many countries around the world. And it's very enticing because they'll also take care of you financially as well. That's 
very attractive as John writes, you know, they appeal to our worldly side. It's what, right. it, one of the things you mentioned in the book. That's right, yeah, yeah. And yet those two, what we would call older false groups, uh, are not anywhere near as successful these days as the newer cults that are coming, mostly from Asia. Yeah, tell us about some of those. Uh, we're familiar with those two, but there are other large Asian cults. You know, the gospel is exploding in Asia. And today I talk around the West about the Asian invasion, how the largest churches in the world today are not in the U.S. or in Europe. They are in Asia. But also, so we've got a lot of huge false teaching or cult groups coming out of Asia now. And they're not only there in Asia, but they're invading here in the United States. So it's important that we know about them. And you mentioned them in your book here. Tell us about some of them. Sure, yeah, they are coming here. I just got an email a few weeks ago from someone in Delaware, I think of all, uh, of all wow. places, uh, saying that uh, a young lady in their church had become uh, was beginning to believe that a Chinese lady hiding in New York uh, <laughs> is mm. Almighty God. Yeah. Uh, and this is the cult that's uh, called Church of Almighty God or mm -hmm. Eastern Lightning. Right. A very reclusive yeah. Chinese lady that hardly anyone has ever seen yes. claims to be God or Jesus uh, return, uh, having returned and is Almighty God. I don't know how someone in a, a good church, this is a good church where this uh, young lady is, uh, she was somehow tricked into becoming a, a believer in this. But the way they do it is through social media, Pat. Mm. Uh, they're really adept. This group in particular, Church of Almighty God, is in my estimation the most dangerous of the new cults from Asia because they're so good at social media and making films, scaring people into clicking their websites, scaring people about the end times. And, and yet this false group comes from China originally. Mm -hmm. uh, they left China yeah. and went to New York. Yeah. Weren't they called uh, Eastern Lightning? Yeah, Eastern yeah. Lightning is their other nickname, which is ironic because the Eastern Lightning comes from the scripture that says when Christ comes back, he's not going to be hiding in a room somewhere mm -hmm. like this, uh, yeah. this, this Chinese lady is in New York. or in, <laughs> She hid for years in China, which makes me wonder why God, who is God Almighty, would be hiding in a room somewhere in China, <laughs> scared of the uh, Chinese uh -huh. government. But uh, why China? Why do they come from China? Because the gospel has made huge inroads in China and uh, many, many victories. And so that's where new Christians are and that's where cults will be. Other cults, as you know, come from Korea. Mm -hmm. Again, the gospel has had great success in Korea and th that's why there, there are many cults there. An Sang Hong uh, is a Korean man who died in 1985 and after he died, his group claimed that he was the Christ. Right. Uh, and that his wife is God, mother, mm -hmm. God the mother, you know this, yes. which makes us wonder why, if she's God the mother, why didn't she uh, heal her her own husband yeah. <laughs> or raise him from the dead? <laughs> right. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> maybe they had some marital difficulties <laughs> and yeah. she wanted him to stay in the grave. But to this very day, you can go to this man's grave. He died mm -hmm. in 1985 of stroke and heart attack. Mm -hmm. How could this be the Christ? And so when uh, I speak with people from uh, groups like this, I, I ask them, did your Christ rise again from the dead? Sun Young Moon, another Christ mm -hmm. figure, did yeah. he rise again from the dead when he died in 2012? No, he did not. The true Christ died for our sins and then rose again from the dead. <laughs> yeah. So those are two countries where the gospel is just exploding, China and Korea. But another country 
there in the Pacific where the gospel is exploding is the Philippines. Now, we see a lot of Iglesia Ni Cristo here in Hawaii, and that's actually next to Catholicism, the second largest denomination there in the Philippines. But there's another cult group making huge inroads, not only in the Philippines, but in Southeast Asia as well. And, and they've popped their heads up there in Cambodia. Tell us a little bit about them. They're all following someone named uh, Apollo Kibaloi. It's called, uh, his group is called the Kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he too claims to be the Christ. So he's a counterfeit Christ. And he claims to be the Son of God returned again. Now, one of the most important things that you'll find in, in my new book here is that I've taken all of the prophecies about the second coming of Christ and listed them under the heading of all the things that must happen when the true Christ returns. It's very clear that this is not some amazing thing that I've done. All I've done is uh, simply collate them and put them in one on one page in my book. And so we can ask people who believe in uh, Apollo Kibaloi, when your Christ came back, did these things happen? that uh, were prophesied were supposed to happen when the true Christ returns. And not a single one of those things happened when, when the true Christ appeared. And these are things that all of our, that we're familiar with, those uh, who believe in the, in the gospel, things that must happen before Jesus Christ comes back. For example, when the true Christ returns, he'll repay with affliction those who persecute Christians and grant relief and salvation to those who are being persecuted. He's going to come and, uh, and judge uh, those who are false. Another one, when he comes, it will not be secret. Every eye will see him. Another one is that there'll be severe disturbances in the sun, moon, and stars. And we have to ask them, did this happen when your counterfeit Christ came? Also, he'll return with great power and glory, and every sinner on earth will mourn. Mm -hmm. Did this happen when Apollo Kibaloi was born? Mm -hmm. uh, not at all. When the true Christ returns, he will put the Antichrist to death uh, and send him to hell. Uh, also, he will pour out his wrath on all sinners. And, and so we ask people who follow An Sang Hong or Apollo Kibaloi or Sun Myung Moon or Li Man He, the Chinese woman who calls herself the Almighty God, we can ask them. Why did these events not take place when your Christ appeared? Because you say your Christ is the second coming of Christ. Okay. Yeah, and not only are there false teachers and cult groups, but there's also a perversion of the gospel that has made great inroads in there. And we might be surprised at these particular movements. One, you say, is the prosperity gospel. And we're thinking, you know, Cambodia and countries like Myanmar and Philippines where there's so much poverty. How is it that the prosperity gospel is making inroads in there? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, but that's the case. Uh, the prosperity gospel has come to Cambodia. And we believe that even, even though the prosperity gospel does not present a counterfeit Christ, it presents counterfeit doctrine and promises things that the, that the scripture never promises. So I have a whole chapter on prosperity teaching in this book, and I know that you've taught about that a lot and warned Christians about that, uh, that the Lord never promised us on this earth that he would make us wildly rich and uh, prosperous as part of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Although every single one of us will inherit the entire earth mm -hmm. when the Lord Jesus comes back. So I do believe in that part of the good news that when Christ comes back, we will receive an inheritance that is, will be absolutely unbelievable. But Jesus said, and the apostles promised us difficulty and tribulation all the days of our lives. Yeah, and I think 
the prosperity gospel makes inroads because it appeals to our flesh. You know, the two strongest drives of our fallen nature is sex and money, you know, greed and sex. That's why gambling and pornography are two of the most successful industries in the world. And if you appeal to that with your particular message, even though these people may be poor and living in rural areas, that's very enticing. That's what you're seeing, isn't it? Absolutely. Everyone wants to be rich. And so these teachings are making inroads even into poor countries as well, especially in Africa. You know this and you've taught Mm -hmm. about this, that the prosperity gospel has just swept through Africa. And once again, it's because the gospel has had great success in Africa in the last 50 years. And so that's where these groups go. Yeah, you know, and the last one we'll talk about here, I mean, we can spend all afternoon, but unfortunately, J.D. has to get back to Cambodia and do his work there. But you're saying liberalism is making great inroads into Cambodia as well. Tell us about that. Sure. Some people might be surprised that I would include a chapter on liberal Christianity. But the fact is, Pat, and you know this, that liberal Christianity has destroyed the faith over the last 200 years. Liberal Christianity has destroyed the faith of more people than all of these cults yeah. combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a strong statement to say, yep. but it is absolutely true. And liberal Christianity, as you've taught here, is based on naturalism. That is, the Lord does not, God does not intervene in the affairs of men. Everything, including religion, and comes about by natural uh, processes. Uh, so the Bible can't be a miraculous book that's been preserved for us that is the very Word of God. No, that's impossible. It's a book that grew, that came to be through perfectly natural circumstances. The thing about naturalism and the difference between naturalism and these other groups is that it doesn't have just one leader, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who's yeah. the leader of all theological liberalism. Instead, it acts like a cancer that very, in a very small and subtle way begins in a denomination or in a church. And it's very difficult to detect because they use the same vocabulary. They talk about Jesus rising from the dead when actually they don't mean that he rose bodily. They talk about uh, the Bible being God's word when they believe that it's riddled with errors and uh, untrustworthy, et cetera, et cetera. So when people finally realize what's going on, it's too late. Instead of making the those who've introduced this false Christianity leave the denomination, the denomination forces those who really believe mm-hmm. in Jesus yeah. Christ to leave. And it's a great sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we see the internet and Western education and teachings, you know, liberal teachings from the university coming over into Asia as these nations now are prospering and becoming more technologically advanced, people are being more highly educated. For some reason, they look to the West for their educators. For some reason, if you've graduated from a Western university or something, you're, you're kind of legit now. And they're getting a lot of that liberal teaching coming from Europe. And unfortunately, in, in, from some of the prominent universities here in the United States, and they're sending their teachers over there. So we're going to see liberalism really challenging the gospel, not only in Cambodia, but in Asia, in these countries that are rising now and where the gospel is beginning to flourish. Yeah, especially liberalism 2.0, which, as you know, is woke Mm -hmm. theology. It's just another form of theological liberalism. Not really anything new under the sun, just a slight uh, difference from from the the old liberalism from 100 years ago. 
And I think that's going to be the most difficult challenge for Christianity over the next 15 or 20 years. And it's going to make uh, your life and ministry difficult as well, Pat. Mm -hmm. And we pray for you because, uh, as I've told you before, I believe in you and I believe in what you're doing. But you are going to become persona non grata in Hawaii and around the world because simply for believing what the Bible says and teaching it in a loving and winsome way. Yes. You know, now as we close, uh, one of the things you state, J.D., is that responding and defending against false teaching is not just an individual thing. It is to include the entire family or the body of Christ. Uh, So tell us about that. How do we identify and respond to the challenge of false teachings that we will or we are encountering today? Yeah, uh, opposing false teaching is a, a... John says this, opposing false teaching is a family matter. Right in the middle of his book, he he writes a poem, a psalm, uh, praising the fathers and mothers of the church that he's writing to and the young men and women of the church and the children in the church for overcoming. And that's a word that's used by John and by Jesus in uh, his letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation for people who have overcome these false teachings that have infiltrated the, into the church. And he praises them. And And one thing that I learned from that is that opposing false teaching is a family matter, a matter of the church family, the, the godly mothers and fathers in the church, the godly young men and women in the church, stepping up to the plate and uncovering the lies of the, of the false teaching and expelling those who refuse to repent, who are teaching things that are, that are false. In this little hymn that he wrote in the middle of 1 John, he especially seems to praise the young men of the church and I would include young women as well, for being the ones who really overcame these uh, antichrist teachers who had infiltrated the church. And so that gives me encouragement that there's going to be a new generation of young men and young women who understand the times, who understand the truth, who know what's true and uh, who know what's true and know what's counterfeit and will lead us all. Because uh, Pat, you and I are getting older and uh, <laughs> yeah. And many mm-hmm. people of the uh, mm-hmm. of the generation below us have are succumbing to mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the falsehoods of uh, woke Christianity, but not all. There's a sizable a group of Christians of that age cohort who are willing to winsomely, kindly, lovingly stand for the faith, even if they are called bigots, hateful people, simply for standing up for Christian morality, for example, Christian marriage, for example. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. And there will be some casualties. But God is so pleased. Yes. Well, we'll be sending J.D. back to Cambodia there to serve. But J.D., tell us how we can pray for you. But also, you gave some statistics of dozens of churches that have been planted and dozens of leaders that, well, maybe hundreds of leaders that have arisen for the ministry out there in Cambodia. It is just really encouraging to hear that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what God is doing and what we can be praying for, for the missionaries out there, not only in Cambodia, but in Southeast Asia, where the gospel is just exploding. It's exciting. Uh, We've witnessed, uh, we've had front row seats, actually, to uh, a people movement. So these six unreached people groups uh, had, uh, 30 years ago, there were no Christians among them. God was not famous in their hearts. We went there in 1994, and then others came 
uh, like-minded missionaries who also believe that the way to evangelize in these situations was creation to Christ evangelism. Because the only way to make someone famous is by telling their story. It's the, there's no other way. <laughs> you can't make someone famous by telling facts about them. You know, you got to tell their story, and, the, and God's story in the Bible is the most amazing and awesome story in the world. So that's all we had. We just started telling the story from creation to Christ, and God started working in people's hearts. And now there are about 3,000 believers in over 70 churches. They're first-generation leaders training second-generation pastors uh, and leaders and second-generation pastors and leaders training third-generation pastors mm -hmm. and leaders. These minority people who are looked down upon by the majority Khmer have their own pastor school and Bible schools now yeah. that, that they run, they pay for. Not a penny of, Amer of American or foreign money goes to them to have these uh, pastoral training programs. And these are people mostly with about a third grade education, and yet they are in charge of their own Bible schools. It's really a remarkable movement of God, and I'm just so thankful that we've been able to see it happen in these six unreached people groups. And so please keep praying for us. Concerning this book, uh, True Religion and Counterfeit Religion, one of the counterfeit groups in Cambodia has already threatened to sue me for the chapter that I did on, uh, on that particular cult. And they have deep pockets. You know, yes. they're, they're multimillionaires. Yes. Some of them are billionaires. And I have shallow pockets. Yeah. Uh, but God's going to take care of us. Yeah, uh, we have to be willing to stand up for the truth. And Pat, I pray that God that God would help you to to stand up uh, lovingly and kindly and winsomely for the truth that sets people free. Fantastic. As we close the show, let's close in prayer and let's pray for JD. And JD, I'm going to ask you to follow me in prayer and pray for us here in the United States as we are also contending with many things that churches around the world contend with. All right. Father, we thank you for JD and the work that's being done out there in Cambodia and Southeast Asia. We pray that you would protect him, protect him from physical danger uh, that's out there, but also the spiritual dangers out there in this church that is trying to shut down and extinguish the light of the gospel that is out there. Lord, we pray you would protect them till they can finish the course that you have set for them and that they may fulfill the mission you have called them to out there and may hundreds, thousands more come to faith in Christ. May they see a fruitful harvest that the name of Christ would be famous out there in Southeast Asia. And we pray this for them and the missionaries out there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear Father, I uh, thank you so much for fulfilling your promise, Lord Jesus, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And Lord, when we think about where Jesus was when he made that promise, that prediction, uh, and we think about where we are here in Hawaii, 12 time zones away, as far as possible from, from where Jesus made that promise. And yet here we are in a place filled with churches, filled with Christians. And yet, Lord, uh, here in Hawaii and on the mainland, uh, many Christians and many churches are being tempted by the pressure from, uh, from the world to give up uh, many truths of the gospel and even your kind and loving commandments that you've given us concerning morality, uh, marriage, and other things. Lord God, we, I pray that you would use this ministry of Pat and that you would fill him with courage 
and that you would uh, bless other ministries and churches especially, Lord, since opposing false teaching is mainly a responsibility of the church, that you'd strengthen churches and ministries uh, so that uh, we would not lose the truth uh, of the gospel. And then, Lord, if in the future most of the churches in America turn away from you or fall to liberalism or uh, any other false teaching, I pray that Christians from Cambodia and Korea and Africa would come here to America as missionaries and preach the truth, preach the good news, preach the Bible, and lead us back to you. Do this, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharek. 